0: You'll like this, Andrew, uh, following your beautiful hymns, because we're going to be talking about another song this morning, uh, Psalm 103. So, if you'd turn to that, I'd appreciate it. Psalm 103 is an unusual psalm, an unusual psalm. Usually, when we pray, we learn to pray. We learn to ask God for things. This psalm has not not a single request in it. Really unusual. There's not one petition, not one thing he's going to God and ask for. Very unusual psalm or hymn. Also, as, as as a hymn, it's unusual. It starts out with a person singing a solo. He's talking to himself. It ends up and a choir with all nature joining in to praise God. So there's a a transition as you go through Psalm 103. It's a beautiful, beautiful psalm, and I'd like to talk a little bit about it this morning. It's a psalm of David. So what I'd like to do is read the first five verses and start there, and we'll see what happens after that. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. This is one of the first psalms, one of the first chapters, actually, I ever memorized. And it, uh, whenever there was a time to just be thankful and grateful, this is the, I'd say this to myself. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And the, the word bless means to praise, of course, and to praise with affection and gratitude. It's a great expression of thanksgiving in this hymn. And what the psalmist is doing, he's thinking back You know, every part of me, I have to praise God for, I have to think back, and uh, all that is within me, uh, one commentator said this, all my whole nature, intellect, emotion, feeling, sentiment, brain, heart, lungs, tongue, the whole thing, all that is within me, all that is within me, bless his holy name. And it's written by David, and we know David really appreciated the fact that there was forgiveness with God. Here's the one we have to deal with. Here we have eternity ahead of us, and once we die, we face eternity. And what David appreciated was the fact that God forgives sins, and so we, as believers who have come to the Lord Jesus Christ and received Him as our Savior, are also grateful for the gift forgiveness of sins. I was reading in Colossians chapter two how the Christ has taken uh, the handwriting of ordinances or requirements that are against us. You know, God has a a ledger and he keeps a record of sin. I wouldn't want you to see my ledger of sin, but what we have in Christ, I really don't want to see yours because I have to deal with my own, but the fact in Christ we find that the ledger has been dealt with at the cross. All of our sins are dealt with. The debt is paid. And that's kind of the feeling you get when you read this hymn that David knew his debt was paid. And we as believers know the debt is paid, paid in full. So he starts out Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. And then the second verse is Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. We read in the New Testament of an occasion where 10 lepers get cleansed by the Lord. And he gives them instructions on, on what to do uh, once they're cleansed to go to the priest and th- that sort of thing. But there's only one who returns, who remembers that he's, uh, he has a, a, a savior, one who cleansed him to give thanks. And so it's easy to forget, the nine forgot, okay? They went on their happy way cleansed, but only the one returned to give thanks. He remembered. And so what David is is saying to his soul, uh, forget not all God's benefits. And he gives four of them here. And we're going to go through each one of the four. The first is probably the most important. Because we have that, we can go through the other three. But the first one is who forgives all your iniquities. And forgiveness is needed when there's a debt to be paid. Uh, there may be some of you here who are students who have accumulated a student debt uh, I was reading about this last night you know the tremendous uh, <laughs> I worked my way through college but at that time they didn't have student debts but I know if I if they had had it I would have rather borrowed money and, and got my education and paid for, thought I'd pay for it later but if you do that you're kind of stuck and this is what the definition of student loan forgiveness. The cancellation of all or some portion of your remaining federal student loan balance. If your loan is forgiven, you are no longer responsible for repaying that remaining portion of the loan. In other words, it's wiped away. Loan forgiveness. But there's fine print and there's a, uh, a lady whose job is to talk to students, who have, or people who have this student debt to deal with, and uh, she says, some people, uh, quote, come to me and they say, I'm here to get Obama's plan to get rid of my student loans. And she says, it's not that easy, she tells clients. To qualify for federal loan forgiveness, borrowers need to make on-time payments for years, sometimes decades. Under current rules, borrowers need to have debt at a certain level relative to their income to enter income-driven repayment. In other words, your payments depend on how much you're making. Eligibility depends on when borrowers first took out the loans and the kinds of federal loans they carry. Well, she knows all the fine print. That's, that's the reason I read that. She knows the fine print, so uh, there's a promise of forgiveness of, of a loan debt but then here's some fine print. Our salvation comes through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we, we believe that the, the debt was settled at the cross. He paid the price needed to redeem us of that debt at the cross. His program, God's program, according to the word of God, is... Uh, Acts 16 and 31, uh, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's a matter of trusting. God's Word and believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so along come others who say, well, there's, uh, to be right with God, uh, you have part of it, but you know, you still have, you're still dealing with sin in your life, so there must be some more you have to add to that. Okay? And Apostle Paul dealt with this, especially in the book of Galatians, you have, uh, and the, the Jews who were, felt there had to be more said, you also have to believe, uh, do certain things, okay? You have to become more Jewish, in other words. And to do that, you have to live your life a certain way, eat certain foods, obey certain holidays, uh, be circumcised, and all these things that identify you as a Jew. And then you could be more sure of getting to heaven and having your sins forgiven. You could be more sure. That's the fine print that people would like to add to the gospel. The gospel itself is very simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. And in in, in believing on him, you're looking back to the cross and what he's done for us at the cross in bearing our sins. God punishes him. The debt that we should pay, if, if if we didn't have a Savior, we'd meet him in eternity at the great white throne and pay the price needed for the sin. We can't pay for it ourselves. but we we ahead of time as it were but if we go to hell and suffer for it for all eternity then it's settled okay it's del- it's dealt with let me put it that way it's a better way to put it so there are some they'll say well you have to do a little uh you have um, you have, sure, you have Jesus died for your sins, we'll believe that, but to be really saved, you need also to do this or that or this or that. And Paul called that a different gospel, of a totally different character. That's not the gospel of God's Word. Things are added to it. Well, I want forgiveness. David knew forgiveness. I want forgiveness. So I'm reaching back in my soul, what do I need for forgiveness? There's another version of fine print where people will say, well, you can believe on Jesus and um, you might want to do certain things too to look a little more holy, but if you're not holy enough, when you go into eternity, you're going to face uh, untold years of purgatory till you're refined, good enough to get to heaven, Till you know your sins are forgiven because you've been refined and you're good enough for heaven. There's another group popular today that believes, well, to be really right with God, um, you have to pray five times a day and pray facing a certain direction, okay? Well, there's nothing in the gospel in that at all, because it's all depending on what you're doing, and the gospel of Christ is what God has done. It's a matter of trusting, not striving. That's the big difference. So as believers, we know we can say to our soul, bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits. And the first one is who forgives all your iniquities. We have a God who forgives based on the work of Christ. The next benefit is healing. Now, we know that our our country, I don't know if it's true around the world, but our own country uh, is so drug dependent, I mean, in terms of prescription drugs. Uh, somebody said there's enough drugs sold in our country that everybody in the country could take, in one day, all the pills have enough, everybody in our country could take enough pills for the whole year. There's that many medications being dispensed. So you wanna to go to your doctor and say, doctor, I have some heart, my soul has illnesses some diseases. Uh, I've got anger, I've got uh, gluttony, I've got, I uh, made a short list here, envy, pride, hatred, revenge, give me a pill. Well, what doctor can fix that? You have to go to God for that kind of healing, that's what he's dealing with. David found that solution in, his, in the benefit of being a believer in God and knowing, and we know it as knowing uh, as Jesus as our personal savior. A healing benefit, he heals all our diseases. Um, you go to a doctor for prescription, there's a verse in Jeremiah, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, who can know it? There's no pills that can be dispensed to deal with sin and the effect of sin. You need Calvary, the cross. That's where you deal with the effects of sin, not with pills. And I I know I'm… It's it's hard, uh, but that's where healing takes place. We deal a lot with guilt, don't we? I mean, how do you deal with guilt? It's the cross. It's knowing that one has paid the price for our sins, and in that our, our souls can rejoice. When we talk to ourselves in our quietest moments, our innermost self, we can just say to ourselves, bless the Lord, O my soul. He forgives all your iniquities. He heals all diseases. And that, that disease, is the, he's talking to his soul, so it's the disease of the soul. I think that the, the, the power to live a godly life, an upright life, when your life has been uh, just wasted on the, on, on the wrong things, that power comes through God's word and in the, in the, in the power of the gospel through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can thank God for that. The next thing that David would give thanks for is that he redeems your life from destruction. Redemption uh, deals with the fact that we're in bondage, we're in bondage. And uh, there's a, my, my, one of my favorite hymns is by Linda Randell, I don't know if you've ever heard it, it goes like this. These are the words to uh, Linda, Linda Randell's hymn, I'm Free. So long I searched for life's meaning, meaning, enslaved by the world and my greed. Then the door of prison was opened by love, for the ransom was paid. I am free. I'm free from the fear of tomorrow. I'm free from the guilt of my past. I've traded my shackles for a glorious song. I'm free, praise the Lord, free at last. I am free from the guilt that I carried, from the dull, empty life. I'm set free, for when I met Jesus, he made me complete. He forgot the foolish child I used to be. I'm free from the fear of tomorrow. I'm free from the guilt of my past. I traded my shackles for a glorious song. I'm free, praise the Lord, free at last. Linda Randell, beautiful hymn. So we're free from bondage in Christ, free from the sins of the past they have been dealt with. David knew that, we know that as well. He, he redeems our life from destruction. We know that uh, Jesus himself encourages people to enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and there are many who go in by it." God puts us in a favored position in Christ. He also crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. Um, last week, we were giving thanks on Wednesday night because um, Leo Kamstra, you know, she had a bum knee last, last Sunday when she was with us, kind of limping around. Uh, if you don't know Leo, Leo she's uh, she and her husband are missionaries in, in, in Mexi- Mexicali. And um, we found out Wednesday night that she was able to take the flight up to uh, Vancouver on Tuesday and they wheel her out to the airplane because she can hardly walk because of her knee and they bumped her up to first class. And she flew first class up to Vancouver. Now, kindness is the fact that she had the resources god provided the money for her to fly up okay that's kindness loving kindness is the fact they gave her a first class seat that's how god works kindness is bread with butter on it when you're hungry loving kindness is with jelly also on it you see that so Today, think about it. If you have occasions to be thankful for something, is there a note of loving kindness in what God has provided for you? Something a little more you didn't expect that makes it taste good. Okay, that's loving kindness. So that's how he crowns us. Paul rejoiced in in God's loving kindness. And uh, he he rejoiced this way. And These are are beautiful verses in Philippians chapter 3. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. And being found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, so in, in, in Paul's experience of Christ as his savior, he's grateful that he knows the Lord Jesus Christ, but in addition, uh, he's not have, he doesn't have his own righteousness now, which is because he followed all the rules, but that God has enclosed him, enclosed, clothed him with the righteousness of Christ. Something he didn't earn, but something that was given as a gift. That's the gospel. Paul had enjoyed loving kindness and tender mercies. So that's the number three benefit. He redeems our life from destruction and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. The next next benefit is he satisfies our mouth with good things. There's a Psalm, Psalm 119, verse 103. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. David enjoyed the promises of God. They were sweet to his mouth. Now, the reference to an eagle is kind of interesting. Uh, I was doing some research on on eagles. Uh, Once in a while up up in Big Bear, you can see an eagle, uh, a bald eagle. They're not bald. They have their white heads, but they call them bald eagles anyway, a national symbol they weigh from 6 to 13 pounds which is it's kind of you know it's kind of heavy but they have a wingspan of 8 feet so they're mostly feathers okay and the feathers are 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 laid out in a certain way they both they insulate protect transport and identify the the, the, the eagle but the we, the feathers become worn out and they frayed or weakened by a buildup of oil and dirt So they must be light and strong and tight to insulate from the cold and the wet. And this is kind of interesting, a bald eagle has several layers of feathers, each serving a different function. Under the outer layer of feathers is an inner layer of downy feathers. So God's design of the feathers interlocking nature is kind of amazing. But in their lifespan of 30 or so years, beginning about age four to five, they begin to molt. And that's when God replaces the old, worn-out feathers with new feathers, and they they don't molt all totally at once, but the stages, bit by bit, they they molt. Um, They will not lose all their plumage in a given molt, usually about one-half to two-thirds of all feathers, starting from the head down. But the process of shedding and regrowth in any cycle may take months, and they usually descend for a molt to a safe place, a refuge cleft of a rock. But after they're molting, you know, if you haven't seen this whole process taking place, you say, well, they've been renewed. Well, this can be applied to our Christian walk. Um, uh, what, what, what struck me as I was reading the story of the ego and this renewing is that there's times in our life when, you know, you're kind of worn out spiritually. What you need is something fresh, fresh from God's Word. And we typically in the assemblies, we'll do that. We'll have a special speaker or there'll be a conference. Okay, Yosemite conference that Rod's organizing, uh, you know, places for right now. You all have been to the, young people have been to the Believer's Bible conference. You came back refreshed. It was obvious when you're up here speaking. You were refreshed by that. Your strength was renewed like the Eagles. We're planning a spring conference and Dave's involved in that. That will be also a time of renewal. You might have a speaker who just happens to be in touch with God that morning, you know, and you get something fresh from God's word. That's a renewal. You're being renewed like the eagles. And what is he using? He's using the word of God and how he or she may have applied it to their lives. Now they're sharing how you can apply it to your life. That's how we're renewed and have the verses. The verse is... He satisfies our mouth with good things so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. It goes through a molting process, changing. Old feathers drop away, replaced with new feathers. In the Bible, there are several people who have experienced trials, and I was thinking of Elijah, and he has this great spiritual victory on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal and you know he's pouring water on his uh, altar and and i guess no, no, nothing ha- worked for 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 their uh, sacrifices but his was blazing away and but anyway he hears Jezebel threaten him and he runs and he hides and uh, he goes beyond Beersheba into the wilderness and he, then he prays that he might die it's enough But what's interesting is, so he has this great spiritual victory, and all of a sudden he's threatened, and he goes into just a huge depression. And we go like this. Sometimes we're going along spiritually great, and all of a sudden, we're down here. Uh, So he finds a quiet place, to again, to to hear God's word. And uh, God promises him this. He said, there's 7,000 people who haven't bowed down their knees to Baal that you don't know about. Also, he, he brings along Elijah as a friend an unexpected gift, and Elisha becomes his servant for the rest of his life. But it's times like this when we're so far down that God brings us back to Himself in just a special way. The other day we are talking about uh, the Apostle Paul when he first got saved. Uh, He was in Damascus, and you read that uh, later he says in Galatians about his experience there in Damascus, that he was in Damascus, that he left. He had heard directly from the Lord Jesus Christ what the gospel message was. And rather than go and talk to Peter and James and John and all the pillars of the church in Jerusalem, he went to Arabia, a quiet place. The question one person asked, why did he go to Arabia? Now, Arabia wasn't Saudi Arabia. It was that whole general area where Arabs lived. But he went to Arabia. God was going to speak to him in a special way. He's going to clarify his whole mission for his whole life. But he needed a quiet place to do that. And so we need a quiet place to be refreshed. And that's what Paul experienced when he went to Arabia. So that his youth is renewed like the eagles. So let's push on. So those are four benefits. Starts right out. And they're good to reflect on them. They are forgiveness, healing, uh, uh, the re- redemption and he crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies and he satisfies our mouth with good things. I guess the satisf- being satisfied is, is number four. Number si- uh, six verse the Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. And that's just a, a reminder to each of us that when we're of, uh, offended it's best to turn The whole thing over to the God in terms of um, when when we're offended by something, just turn it over to Him. Something doesn't quite work out. And that's something I'm always learning. Uh, Just the Lord Lord will deal with it, okay? If this is something unfair, uh, that… Let me just back up a second on that one. Uh, I want to do a Ricky here for a second. (laughs) uh, uh, Ricky will back up, you know. Uh, I love Ricky when he speaks. But anyway, uh, there are things that are obvious that you, you know, if, if the, the bill on your thing is not added right, you deal with that, okay? That's one thing. But if somebody uh, offends you, does something to hurt you, even from a distance, and you seek revenge, that that's the point, okay? That you're going to have to let go, let God deal with it. If you find in your own heart, Uh, a spirit of revenge arising. That's something you have to turn over to God. Let God deal with it. The Lord Jesus Christ, he could have destroyed those soldiers. He could have called down legions of angels. He could have destroyed Pilate on the spot if he he had wanted to. But he committed himself to him who judged righteously. He just committed himself to his father. he's, He's here for a purpose. We're here for a purpose. We're ambassadors for Christ. We turn ourselves over to God when it comes to turns these things over to God when it comes to seeking revenge. Verse seven, He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the children of Israel, and this is a uh, in, interesting wording here. Um, if you were uh, in Israel in Egypt, you could see these gigantic miracles that Moses was doing. Uh, and you'd acknowledge, yeah, that, that miracle was done, you, it was done by God. And also, if you saw the Lord Jesus Christ heal people, you would say, boy, that's an amazing miracle. You could see his acts. But what David appreciated was the fact that Moses wanted to know God's ways. And so let's step back for a second and look at Jesus when he, when, when he uh, forgives the thief on the cross, He would have been perfectly just if he'd said to the thief, he said, Today you will be with me in paradise. And it was really nasty of you to to talk badly about me a half hour ago. But that's not his way. You see, and when you understand where he's coming from, he's coming in the position of a servant. He's coming as a person he's he's the healer, he's the great healer. He's the one who can provide forgiveness. He's offering himself as a sacrifice for our sins. And his way is to take the place of a servant and do things in kindness and loving kindness. That's his way. He's a gentleman. There's that great verse in Revelation. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will what? I'll come in and sup with him and he with me. Well, The Lord's a gentleman. He's not going to beat down the door to come in. He's polite, which is a beautiful thing. That's his way. And so he does these, he does miracles, but it's interesting to say, see, the way he does it. What's behind it? What motivates his heart? And that's what we want in our own lives. We want to do great acts of courage or whatever for God. He might call us to do that sometime, but we want to know his ways and be able to imitate his ways to be a real believer. So that, that's, that's the distinction here. God made his, known his ways to Moses. Moses could communicate with them because he knew God's ways, and God could communicate with Moses. All the children of Israel knew was the acts. They saw what happened, okay? After the fact, okay, oh yeah, there's another miracle today. That's all they knew. They didn't know what's going on between these folks. What, what are their thoughts? Why are they doing this? We want to know, the ways of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Lord is merciful and gracious, verse 8, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. Merciful and gracious. There's a, and that's dealing with, again, forgiveness of sins. There's another, well, let's, uh, let me just go to the next verse, verse 10. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. Like I said, I wouldn't want you to see the list of my sin, the debt that Christ paid for me. But I know he's not dealt with me according to my sins. I know he's not punished me according to my iniquities. May that be true for each of you as well that you would know his loving kindness. There's a hymn by Elvina Mabel uh, that so many people have gotten saved through because it, it talks about this. Uh, the Lord is merciful and gracious. I hear the Savior say, thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. For nothing good have I whereby thy sin to, grace to claim. I'll wash my garments white in the blood of Calvary's lamb. And this, I'll sing to say this is the last verse. And now complete in him, my robe is his righteousness. Close sheltered neath his side, I'm divinely blessed. Jesus paid it all. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. Now it says in verse 9, He will not always strive with us, nor will He keep His anger forever. Well, He won't strive with us. Uh, there's a certain point, I believe, when you go into eternity, if you go unsaved, that it's settled. You know, you're facing God, you're facing hell and the lake of fire. He won't always strive with us. He wants to bring us to the cross to see that Jesus died for our sins. Verse 11 gets more into uh, into science, which I, I particularly enjoy, as some of you may know. The verse is, For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward those fear him. Well, how high are the heavens, uh, for as the heavens are high above the earth. So great. So we're going to measure his mercy. I'm going to say, okay, his mercy extends to as high as the heavens are above the earth. So we need to measure it just to know how far his mercy goes. Okay. Well, does it go as far as the moon, well, that's about 240,000 miles It go that far. Is that, are you at the end of the heavens? Are you, as you've reached the heavens? Well, no, you keep going, right? Well, the sun's a little further away. That we know, we know this now. The sun is further away. It's 93 million miles away. Have we reached the extent of God's mercy? I'm being the poet, and I'm, I'm trying to follow the poet's logic here, and it sounds corny, I know. But I'm thinking to myself, well, how high is this? Well, it's beyond the sun, because the sun's nearest star neighbor is a little over four light years away. Well, uh, when I, t- I, taught, I taught physics, and most people believe that light is instantaneous. Well, it isn't. It travels at 186,000 miles per second. Okay, that's how fast light travels. So in a year, it's gone pretty far. So it takes four years for the light from this star to reach us. So if we see that star in the sky, we're looking at what it looked like four years ago. Is the mercy end there? No, it keeps going. You're not, you, you just started reaching into the heavens in terms of God's mercy. There's a galaxy, the Andromeda Galaxy. It's two and a half million light years away. So we're in the millions of light years. Uh, actually, Alex. Has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but the Andromeda galaxy was discovered on Mount Wilson, okay, by a telescope, uh, the, uh, Hubble. The, the astronomer discovered the Andromeda galaxy. Realized this is like 19, 1926. Realized that uh, Milky Way is not the only galaxy. Andromeda is a galaxy, and now we know there's galaxies upon galaxies, hundred billion galaxies, the hundred billion stars in each galaxy. It keeps going. So the furthest are we extent of God's mercy, the, uh, the Hubble telescope, uh, the most distant object, the galaxy over 13 billion light years away. Okay. Well, there you're on the edge. You're getting pretty close to the edge. But The whole point of the poet's trying to make out here is that God's mercy goes on and on and on and on. And we experience it day by day. And it's nice to note it. You know, if, if something good happens to you, so that was by God's mercy, a near accident. That happens every, you know, pretty often. And I just sit there and say, thank you, Lord. I'm grateful. You know, it was a, a mercy, an unexpected mercy. His mercy keeps going on and on and on. So the next verse deals with this. Uh, At verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. Again, you know, the scientist part here. Here's the point. Um, In those days, they figured the earth was flat. So why didn't he say north and south? Because if he had, if you're on the South Pole, the North Pole is 12,000 miles away. So you'd know my sins are no further than 12,000 miles away. But by saying east and west, it goes on and on and on. It's indefinite, okay? How far is these? Well, as far as you can tell, okay? It's infinite. That's how far he's removed our transgressions from us. So the Spirit of God moved David to put this into the right wording, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us." And now in the next few verses, we'll just quickly go through these. He's going to talk about our weakness and the fact that it's through God we're made strong. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. We are indeed as weak as grass. And it's amazing when you think, I don't know if you've ever done this, but you think about uh, people you've known like 10, 20 years ago, and, and now I look at my kids. Now I have grandkids. What is going on? I'm getting older, you see. I'm, I flourish for a while as a, as, like grass, and now you wither. Okay, but that's, that's, that's the process of life. God knows that. And he deals with us according to the seasons of our life. If you're young, you're strong, great. Use that for God. But he deals with us according to the seasons of our life. Uh, in an appropriate way. God knows our days are like grass. And he's just simply here reminding, it, reminding us of it. So in one, we go from one season to the next, and then in verse 17, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children. And I think the point of this verse, to me at least, is uh, everlasting to everlasting That's his mercy. Uh, Here are seasons of life going this way, you know, uh, childhood, youth, uh, adolescence, uh, young 20s, working 30s, career 40s, you know, you just go on and on and on. That's life. But everlasting to everlasting is from the very beginning to the very end, okay? It's talking about time, the dimension of time from way back when to way in the future. That's what God's talking about here from everlasting to everlasting, and his mercy is applicable to each season of our life. We need it. Now he's going to call, uh, well, one more verse, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. But let's push on, because now he's going to call on others to join him in this hymn of praise, the first few verses were solo. He's talking to his soul. Now he's going to call on others to join him in this worship of praise. Bless the Lord, you his angels who excel in strength, who do his word. So, all the messengers of God join in in this hymn of praise. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you ministers of his who do his pleasure. And those are groups of angels used in in, in war, which uh, uh, the Lord reserves for special events. And last, bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. So he's calling on all of nature to praise God. Isn't it amazing? He starts out talking to himself I'm praising God. Comes all the way over here and he calls on all nature, all God's works to praise God, and we can. Once we know the, the whole God's plan of salvation, that there's no fine print, that it's simple faith and trust in Christ, and it's gonna give us the, the forgiveness of sins and also the power to live a godly and a new life, all in his word, we can praise him. And we, we call on each other, let's praise him for what he's done for us all his works, in all places of his dominion. To the extent that God dwells, God inhabits eternity, everything within that dimension now, he's calling on to praise God. And after doing this, his very last words are this, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Simple as that. We have a reason to be grateful and to be thankful. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you this morning for the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that there is forgiveness of sins because Christ paid the price for our sins, the penalty. He's redeemed us out of the the, the slavery of sin. We live by the power of God and by his grace and his mercy. Thank you, Lord, for each moment of kindness to us and your mercy toward us. We look forward to seeing our Savior face to face. Bless the gospel wherever it's preached. We join together and simply say, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Thank you for each family represented here tonight or this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you.